Have your Bibles with you. Please would you uh, turn to me to the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> I'll be reading a, a few verses of scripture. I think you'll all know quite well. <clears throat> it's the Lord's Prayer. And just a couple of verses before then as well. That's Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5 we'll be reading from. And it says, When thou prayest, I shall not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debtors as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'll just bow in a quick word of prayer before we continue. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have the open book. We thank you, Lord, for your word, that we can stand upon the solid foundation that is the word of God. Lord, I pray this evening, Lord, that you will lay a foundation of your word in each and every one of our hearts, Lord. That we may be able to stand on them promises, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the illumination to come into each of our hearts, Lord Jesus. And Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you guide me through your word this evening. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move and touch our hearts with your very word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just as a bit of background before we even get into Just as a bit of a background before we even get into any of this, <clears throat> is you'll find in Luke 11, chapter 11, the disciples actually come to Jesus. And you'll find in, in, uh, when you look in, in Luke 11, uh, verse 1, that they actually come to Jesus. And this is an earlier time. It would seem like it would be the same sort of situation, but it's not. They actually come to Jesus in Galilee, in, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And they actually say to him, teach us how to pray. Now, the, 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 this, this chapter that we've just read now, this would have been in the, in the area of Judea, and this would have happened actually later on at that time. But they actually said, teach us to pray. Now, the thing was here, if you notice, when they said, teach us to pray, 
Now, if we're reading this, and we, we may think, well, that's a bit strange, but you can understand because the Lord Jesus, the way he would have prayed, and he said, you know, I want to be like that. You know, surely they must have heard the way he prayed. But there was a reason for them saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. And one of the reasons was that they were taught that you couldn't have a relationship with God. You see, the rabbis and, and, and the Sadducees, they, 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 they taught in a way that it was impossible for anybody to have any kind of fellowship with God. It's impossible. Because to them, God was frightening. That's what he was taught. It was very austere, God was. He was that holy, he was unattainable to anybody. And the only person that could ever, ever have any kind of access or, con- or contact was the high priest on the Day of Atonement. And that was when he went through all his rituals and his washings and everything else and sacrifice. You see, they always describe God as this all-consuming fire, which he is. does describe him man in the Bible. You know, they would say things like, the thunder and the lightning and the smoke at Mount Sinai. It's terrifying. And we see this in the Bible. But there are aspects of a nature of God. As Pastor Ked said on Sunday past there, God is love, but he has wrath. So there's a nature of God there. But the thing is, what we forget or what they forget at times when we read the Old Testament is, yes, we do see this severity. But then we see the likes of Abraham. God called him his friend. That's relationship right there. He says, Abraham's my friend. And then we see the likes of Moses. He hid Moses in the cleft of the rock just so he could get a glimpse of the glory of Christ so it didn't kill him. And then we get Daniel, for instance, and some of the great prayers that this man prayed. The Lord was always there. And then we even get the likes of Jeremiah. And when you read Jeremiah, I always think it's beautiful of a relationship in the Old Testament with God. Jeremiah literally had conversations with him. And he's even struck me as funny because Jeremiah even said at one point, I'm paraphrasing, Lord, I've had enough. I'm not speaking your name anymore. It was to a holy God. But Lord had mercy on him because he had a relationship with him. So when Jesus came, he found this religious system had completely stripped the people of a relationship. It had took everything away. They were stuck with all these do's and don'ts. And so so Jesus was coming back to restore a relationship to his people. And you'll find that Jesus, when he went out to pray, you'll find this in Mark chapter 1 and 35. If you want to have a look there, Mark chapter 1 and 35, you'll you'll see him with his prayer life. And you'll see what priority he gives his prayer life. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. 
And it says this, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. So you see, sometimes you'll find the priority in somebody's life is what they do first thing in the morning. As soon as they open their eyes, what's their mind on? What they're thinking about? And that's what the Lord did. As soon as he arose, I've got to go and pray. I've got to go and pray. And you see, the disciples were saying this. And they were looking at this man. And they were saying, we want what he has. And what they wanted was a relationship with Christ. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to have what you have because you're different. You're different. And you'll notice something when <clears throat> you look in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. And it says, And when thou prayest, I shall not be as the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, and that they may be seen of men. Verily I sound to you, they have their reward. You see, straight away, the Lord. Before anything, he goes into this framework of prayer. He says, what's your heart like? You need a heart. You need a sincerity to come into prayer, into true prayer. And let's be honest, that's what you need. He's addressing the motivation of why you would pray. Because a relationship was paramount. To Jesus Christ. And he said to have any kind of relationship. Needs to be from here. Not from here. From here. Deep within. You find in the New Testament. We're commanded to pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5. 16 to 18. It says rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this. Is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So it's the will of God that we pray. You know what? He never gets sick of hearing us. He never gets tired of hearing our complaints. He never gets tired of it. He never gets tired about hearing about you. In fact, in Proverbs 15 and 8, it says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. It's his delight to hear from his people. It's his delight to hear from you. To hear from inside. Our relationship is the most important thing we will ever have in our lives. And to be honest with you, even when I was thinking about what to bring tonight, because I'll be honest with you, I was praying about it. I wasn't getting a lot, to be honest. And then it just come to me about the relationship. Everything hinges on that. Everything we do. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us different from all the other religions. Because we can have something they can't. Which is a relationship with Christ. In Philippians chapter 4. And verse 6. It says this. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, 
By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, have you noticed something here? The peace of God. Peace in your mind, peace in your heart. Do you have it? Do you want it? Because if you do, pray. You try being in the presence of the Lord and not being at peace. Challenging to be. Because some of the situations I've been in and I've got down to praying, it's the last thing I ever wanted to do. But I felt the spirit of the Lord start to move. And I've had a peace about whatever situation it was. I start to feel a peace because you can't be in his presence and feel anything else. Let's be honest. He's the prince of peace. If you want peace for your mind and body, then you spend time with him. And you'll get your peace. You'll get your peace. As George Mueller once said, he says, a sinning man stops praying, but a praying man stops sinning. Because he's at peace with God. You see, and the thing is, our hearts are made. They're made to come to prayer. They're made to call on to him. That's what we're made for. And it's beneficial to us. In the world that we live in, it's beneficial to us to be at peace when we're in communion with him. And I tell you why. Even when you see the world outside today, even in the world, you see all these things about meditation. You see all these things about yoga and everything else, right? And they'll even tell you, well, that's, that's, that's beneficial. But what they don't tell you is, now that's the world trying to get a bit of peace. But you see all this yoga and all this other meditation that they would do. Now what they don't tell you is, <clears throat> you have to do all these shapes and everything else. Well, that's what they used to do in the old pagan religions, Hinduism, all that. And they used to do these shapes because they were worshipping the false gods. That's what it was. That's where it come from. Because they believed, and it was the same with the, the Norse gods as well. With the Vikings, you always find that they were so aggressive. Because their gods were aggressive. And they took the nature and the character on of their gods. And you see, and that's why you get the yoga and everything else, and they're doing all these animal forms and that. Because they're doing as though they're taking on the nature of their God. Well that's what they're trying to get. Through that meditation. To bring peace. But it's the wrong, they're going about it the wrong way. You know. But we get it through praying. Because that's when we are concentrating on him. And you see they're, right, they're dead right. What they're saying. You do take on the character. Because when you start praying to the Lord, you have a relationship with him, you start getting that place of peace with him, then yes, you do start to take on the character of Jesus Christ. See? So that's why it's important for us as Christians to pray, to have that relationship. Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 7. And it says this, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions 
as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now, vain repetitions, everybody thinks, well, that's just actually just saying the word of God over and over and over and over and over again. It's not. It isn't. Because one, the word of God is in vain. What it actually means, it's a Greek word. I'm going to try and say it. It's called batalegio. 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 And it gives the idea of someone that is saying something, but doesn't mean it, and continues to say it anyway. That's what vain repetitions actually means there. Because in other words, the Lord's trying to say, when you come and pray, pray in a boldness. Pray in a confidence. Pray in line with my word. That's what he's saying. That's what he means by this. Because he's saying this because his word is forever settled in heaven. And that's it. That's, that's, that's it. That's the framework there. So you see, it's not so much of how much you say, but it's what you say is the difference. And it's from here. Now I'm saying, obviously, I'm saying we're speaking, but you know what? The Lord is the inner cry. He is from the heart. That's why you'll never pull the wool over God's eyes. You may do with men and women, but never the Lord. And you notice much speaking, I always have to laugh at this one, <clears throat> when it says about their much speaking that won't be heard, <laughs> for the much speaking. <laughs> you know what the Greek actually gives this one? It's a nagging wife. <laughs> <laughs> Keep saying it, saying it, says, all right, all right, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> that's, that's what he gives it. <laughs> Keep going on and keep going on, like keep saying the same thing over again, like until you wear the person down to where they're going to do it. That's that's what it means. It's like they thought they could wear God down to doing whatever they wanted. To do. But by the way, I'm sorry about that, ladies, but that's what it said in the Greek. So please don't stone me here. <laughs> but that's what it says there. Yeah. So that that, that was the idea of it. <clears throat> but you kept saying something until you till you wore God down. So let's move over to, uh, to verse 8 there. <clears throat> it says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you even ask. Now it's amazing, isn't it? When we look at this, it's amazing to know that the Lord knows. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your pains. He knows your struggles. He knows your torments. He knows everything. He knows your strengths. And you see, the thing is, is, and it's hard for us to comprehend this, but, but when we come to pray, and sometimes you think, Lord, just what I'm going through at the minute. And you think, oh boy, I really can't take this. How are you going to sort this out? But what you have to understand is, he is the I am. He's the one who spoke the universe into existence. He's the I am in the past. He's the I am in the present. And he's the I am 
in the future. You see, the Lord created the universe and he created time. And this is something that blows our minds, but he doesn't operate in the sphere of time. He's outside of it. You know, time doesn't mean anything to him. So when he says, your father knows, in other words, he's saying, it's like a map already wrote out for him. He already knows where you're going. He already knows what you've got to hit. And he's already made provision for you. And that just amazes me when it says, your father knows everything that is going to happen. <clears throat> he knows every prayer before you pray it. Now that doesn't get you off the hook that you shouldn't pray now. But it's giving you the idea of who he is. It's a, a revelation of who he is. So then we get down to verse 9. <clears throat> and the Lord says, After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, and hallowed be thy name. So when we look at the Father, we see it actually only, only listed 15 times in the Old Testament. Father. Only 15. And you know something in the Old Testament, when they prayed, they never, ever used Father in their prayers. Corinthians. You'll find it in the Old Testament. He's addressed as Father 65 times in Matthew, Mark and Luke. And in John's Gospel, he's referred to as Father 100 times. So you can start to see that the disciples were getting revelation. You start to see it through the Gospels. They were getting revelation of Jesus Christ. They were getting revelation of who he was. You start to see this. And the Greek word there, Father, this means a place. uh, uh, Sorry, it means one who stands in a father's place and looks after another in a parental way. And it also gives the idea of somebody in the Sanhedrin, believe it or not, that would be given a title of this. It was an honour and great responsibility as they were to lead and guide those who were under their care in every aspect of their life. So you see, it's somebody that's got to come alongside, that has got to help, that has got to show you the way. This is what the Father gives the idea of, and this is why even the disciples were called that, because they were disciples. He was showing them a discipline in their lives through the way he lived his life. So, I mean, I remember, I'm sure he's gracious or not, not to say this, but <clears throat> you see, when I first became a Christian, I can tell you something. I used to have somebody on speed dial on my phone. And I'm sure he used to look at his phone like a Rottweiler at times. That was past the candle. <laughs> I had 101 questions and I had that man tortured. <laughs> Still do. <there. laughs> and you know what? I've had to learn a bit of grace since he's become my boss. <laughs> no, but that's, but that's what it gives the idea of. Somebody that's able to come alongside you and, and, and direct you in the right path. 
And then we get down to the word aren't in. And that's Greek and it means among or it means in something. And then the word heaven is uranos. And this means a seat of order or things eternal and perfect where God dwells. So you see when we're using this, when we're using this phrase that we see, our father which aren't in heaven, it doesn't actually mean that he's a lofty and he's a way off somewhere. That, that's not the idea it gives you. Because what it is, is when, when you say father, sometimes it gives us a, an endearing quality. Yes, don't get me wrong. But not everybody has that same memories. You know, some people uh, may have a memory of a father that they really didn't get along with. So when he says father, we aren't in heaven. What he's giving you the idea or what this is giving you the idea in this verse is, it's giving you the idea of a father as is like heaven, which is perfect. So do you get what I mean? Because they, they saw heaven as we do, as a perfect place. There was no corruption in it. There was nothing like that in it. It was perfect. And that's what, it, that's what it's giving you the idea of a father which is perfect. He's a perfect father onto his children. So that's what that phrase is given. And in Romans 8 and 15 it says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now that word Abba is actually Aramaic. Not Greek. And this is used in the most intimate way for children to say daddy. That's what it means. As a child would come to his daddy. See, it's beautiful when you start to see this drawn out as the Lord starts to come and reveal himself, even in this pattern of prayer, even in this framework of prayer, we can see. From the very start, he's laying a foundation. Look, this is who you're praying to. And then we get down to the word hallowed, which is agizio. And it means to render and to acknowledge, to give respect and reverence. It also means to separate from profane things and to dedicate to God. So hallowed, hallowed be thy name, literally means Reveal thyself to me, God. Reveal yourself to me. And I'll give you an incident, actually. If you turn to Exodus 3, chapter 3, you'll see what I mean. Exodus chapter 3. Verses 4 and 5. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place thereon thou standest is holy ground. This is the example I'm using because 
you see that Moses come and he was giving the Lord a reverence. But also as he gave that reverence to the Lord, the Lord was revealing himself unto Moses. So that's what it means to hallowed thy name. It's something precious, but it's also something that can be revealed unto somebody. And even when we get to Psalm 86, you look at Psalm 86, and you see David is doing the same thing. Psalm 86 and verse 6. It says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer. Attend to the voice of my supplication, supplications in the day of my trouble. I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are thy work, any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and does wondrous things. Thou art God alone. You see, David is calling upon the Lord in a reverent manner. He calls upon his name in a very submissive way. And then he starts saying, Lord, I know that you're the one that delivers. Lord, I know you're the one that comes in a time of need. Lord, I know you're the one that gives me victory. And you start to see, as he's come in that reverent manner, you start to see the nature of failing in his prayer of who God is. Who the Lord is then. I remember there was a, a, a preacher one time and he always said, <clears throat> you see if you can really get to grips with Genesis 1 and 1. When it says in the beginning God created the heavens and earth. He said if you can get to grips with that. Then you see the rest of the Bible shouldn't be a problem for you. If you can really get to grips with that, there's nothing in the Bible, whether it's Jonah, whether it's the whale, anything. You know that God can do all things. He can do all things. And basically, the framework of the Lord's Prayer is the same. If you can get to grips in Matthew 6, you can get to grips in Matthew 6, verse 9. I think it's verse 9. Hang on. Right. If you can get to grips with Matthew 6 and verse 9, it says, Our Father which art in heaven. If you can get to grips with how perfect he is, what he actually, how much he loves you, that he's got to be there for you, that he's got to be that perfect father. If you can get to grips with that, then everything in the Lord's prayer starts to fall into place because when you look at verse 10 it says thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven so if he's a loving father his kingdom's got to come his will it certainly will be done and there's nothing got to stop that because of who he is And then you get to verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Well, you know him as a perfect father, then you know he will provide for you. 
you know that he already knows what you need because he's already said that. So he's got to provide everything that you need. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. When you know that he is that perfect father, he will not lead you into the temptation, but he will deliver you from it. You see, that is the crux of his prayer. That is the overview. That is the pattern that the Lord has given us. <clears throat> glory at the start and glory at the end. The beautiful provisions that the Lord has made for us all through this prayer when we see that he will be there. He's not going to leave us. We're not without a father in heaven. But he will lead us. He will show us. He will reveal to us. But ultimately, we will only ever have how much of God as we want. He will not force himself upon you. That's why he said at the very start, paraphrasing obviously what he said about the sincere heart of prayer, a sincere relationship. You can have it with him. Just going to say a few scriptures here, as Paul said in <clears throat> Colossians in chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Beautiful revelation of Christ. In Philippians 2 and 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. We will never ever know this side of eternity. Although our Lord Jesus Christ had to come to be a man, let alone go to a cross. But doesn't it show you the beauty doesn't it show you the passion? Doesn't it show you the love and the mercy and the grace of an almighty God? Amen. And even <clears throat> when we see him saying to his disciples, this is how you should pray. It just shows you how every aspect of our life he wants to be involved in. Because he loves us so much. Well, thank you for listening. God bless you. I hope you got something from that tonight. And uh, 